Hello and welcome to the Leeds Light Blues podcast. You're joining me, your host, Brother Matt Namiria, and with me tonight... Brother Josh Docty Turnbull. Brother Manpreet Singh. Brother Manpreet, welcome. It's nice to be here. No, thank you for coming along and we've got a, uh, we've got a great lineup for you tonight, uh, some, some good topics. Before we go any further, Manny, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, hello everyone uh, listening in. I'm Manny, or Brother Manpreet Singh, part Pilgrim Lodge 7728. I am a CEO of my own digital marketing agency, Bubble Digital, based in Leeds. I've been a, a Mason since 2017. I joined in the centenary year. Um, which was really great. October 2017 was my initiation and now up to the third degree and well on the ladder. Awesome. All the best Masons were initiated in the Tercentenary year. I think it you were as well then, Josh, yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Um, right, well, it's absolutely brilliant to have you here, Manny, and good that we've, uh, uh, we've got you along. Um, we're going to be talking about tonight a couple of things. The first thing we're going to be talking about is masonry and its effects on mental health. So it's going to be quite a subjective topic tonight, guys. It's going to be kind of what it means to us. And I guess since we've not been able to do it, that impact that it's had. And I guess it kind of goes to show you don't really miss something until it's gone. So maybe a little bit more about that. And what else are we going to be talking about, Josh? We are going to be talking about ritual, its importance, why we do it. But before we go any further, brethren, Brother Josh, are we all charged in the South? We are all charged in the south. Brother Manny, are we all charged in the west? We are all charged in the west. And brethren, the queen and the craft. The queen and the craft. The queen and the craft. And uh, what are we drinking tonight, chaps? Water. <laughs> Yorkshire clear, fair enough. Pure Yorkshire water, three pence or whatever <laughs> it is. I'm on plunged orange pale ale, uh, recommended to me by Worship of the Polviac last season in the podcast. Oh, any good? It's all right, you know. First can's gone down well, I'll keep you updated. Very good. I'm on a bit of a different one tonight. So as you, as you guys know, I like my whiskey. And recently, me and the other half went on a staycation to Edinburgh. And obviously the, the standard COVID staycation. And I got this, which is a signature vintage, signature vintage, um, 13-year-old single malt. And it's from a, a quote, distilled at an unnamed Orkney distillery. So this is something I didn't realise. So for those whiskey fans out there, you might know this. I never did. Apparently, uh, there is a, a distillery in Orkney. They don't like to, to officially put themselves out there, but most people know that it's Highland Park. Um, and what they do is they basically give barrels, uh, certain barrels to different like, independent distillers. And it's basically Highland Park whiskey, but it's not advertised as Highland Park. So but because it's the way that the barrel, they're not blended like they produce their own. They can sometimes taste a little bit different, so it can often be, you know, one one blend can be slightly different than the other when you get a Highland Park, but most of most of it's the same. This stuff, they're all like individual or like double hogshead barrels. So this has been matured for uh, well, thirteen years. It was distilled on the twenty sixth of June two thousand six, and they've only bottled it this year. So it does taste a bit different. It's a bit more smoky than normal, which is quite nice. But I tell you what, Edinburgh, if you've not been there, uh, for those of you that are listening to the podcast. You, you must visit, you must go. If it's on your bucket list, do it. Um, obviously, Masonically, you've got like Russell Chapel and all that sort of stuff up there, which is pretty cool. Uh, but also, like if you like your food, Haggis Neats and Tatties, awesome. Stovies, awesome. The local fudge up there that they make, absolutely fantastic. Edinburgh Castle, we went there, we did a little bit of that. We went to Mary King's Close, which is like an old street underneath the old city, which is pretty cool. Um, I have to give a shout out to this company here. 
Victoria Regalia. Uh, Victoria Regalia, they're on Johnston Terrace in Edinburgh next to a Masonic Hall. And you guessed it, they are a Masonic Regalia shop in the middle of Edinburgh off the Royal Mile. And it was actually really nice, guys, just to kind of, because we've been away from masonry for so long, it was, it was nice to actually go into a shop and see all the pins and the rings and the, the aprons and the collars and stuff like that. You know, it's a shop that's run by a, by a family, but the, the owner's a mason himself. Uh, he's a member of the lodge next door, and, and that was nice. Gave me a uh, nice little, little diary there that kind of tells you where all the lodges meet in, in Scotland and chapters and when they meet, what days, etc. So that's, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it was just really nice to have a little bit of, uh, of that back, I guess, and managed to buy a couple of pins as little mementos while I was there. I got the obligatory forget-me-not, which mm-hmm. I, I was after a forget-me-not for quite some time. And I got this one as well, which is a, a Royal Arch pin, which is a nice little one. Basically, um, I wanted to buy just the triple towel sign. So it was the triangle with the circle and the triple towel in the middle. And um, when it, was, it, was, it was in red. And when I picked it up, my, my girlfriend basically said, you're not going to wear that, are you? And I was like, why? And she was like, I, I won't repeat what, it, what, 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 what she said it looked like, but let's just say it looks like an insignia that's universally known as something that you just don't wear. Um, <laughs> When you said triangle and circle, it almost like looked, sounded like something like the Deathly Hallows from Harry Yeah, Potter. almost like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the cloak and the, yeah, yeah. the stone. You just need the one now, I guess. Well, um, it is, she did get that from Masonry. It is, it's based on Masonic symbology, yeah. Really? I never knew that. That's I did not know that. Well, um, that, that's something you learn every day. And something that I learned, apparently, is that every single cafe in Edinburgh like to claim fame to uh, being the inspiration and the place where JK wrote, wrote all of the books. So like any cafe you go to, it's like, yeah, this, this is where she wrote the books. And it's like, yeah, did she really though? <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Also, I didn't realize this until I went, but there's a shop um, just off the Royal Mile that if you've seen Avengers Infinity War, um, there's a, a shop there in Edinburgh where Oh, I can't remember which one it is. I think Vision gets thrown out of a of, of a shop window, or gets or the Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch gets thrown into a shop window, and and that's there. That's pretty cool. So that was cool to see because they, again, like anything touristy, they've they've made it quite clear on the window. Infinity War. This is the shop, you know. <laughs> so that that was that was quite cool. So yeah, Edinburgh. If you've um, if you've not been before, definitely add it to your bucket list. It's well worth visiting. Yeah, it's been a it's been a few years since I went. I've got my auntie who lives in Kirkudley, just outside of Edinburgh. Um, I remember it's been fifteen years though, so definitely do a visit back. Maybe a lodge visit up to Edinburgh. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, lodge zero is you know that, that that's the that's that's cool enough. Apparently, lodge. I was talking to the uh, the gentleman, uh, the brother that was that was running that shop, and uh, he was saying that lodge zero one and two were pretty pretty popular lodges, but he was in. I think it was called Roman Eagle Lodge, which is pretty much the one that's right next door to. Uh, there's so many Masonic halls anyway in 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 Edinburgh in the in the old town. I think alone. Right. So before we go any further, as is tradition on the podcast, we're going to do the the likes for this week. So um, the rules are simple. As we said many times before, if you like us on our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Leeds Light Blues, if you like us, we give you a shout out on the podcast. So. Shoutouts for this week are Chefio Rett, David Brasson, sorry if I'm butchering your name, brothers, Steve Anderton, Mark Willey, Derek Walsh, David Anthony, Matty Browntown, Rob Myers, Ian Simpkin, Clive Hawkins, Alex W. Yorks, Christian Biff Tannen, 
and Doreen Smith. So, brethren, let's raise a glass to our guests. To our guests. To our guests. Did I Welcome. hear Provincial Grand Mentor in that list? Who's that? Clive Hawkins. I should, I should know that. Yes, Clive is there. Hello, Clive. Um, and also my secretary's in there as well, which is quite nice to see. I had to actually double check I actually like the page. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I recall reading your name out at some point. Before we go any further, and we are sticklers of habit in, in this uh, podcast, Manny, we've got to put you on the spot. Top three most or most memorable lodges, what are they? Top three most memorable lodges? Wow. Um, does it have to be location or lodge directly? Like the um, lodge I visited? Generally a lodge that you visited. Well, uh, I'm going to say Castle Grove because I hadn't actually been there, but when I actually saw the hall when we went for the centenary, you know, certifications mm. for any brethren, that hall was actually good for me. And um, this is actually hard because yeah. <laughs> I didn't do a lot of visiting because I joined while I was on dialysis, so it's hard for me to get out. Right. Um, and, and for all these years, I didn't even know there was a lodge in Morley. Oh, there was oh, right, a yeah. place in, in Mole, even though I live in Cherwell, to my surprise. Um, and I was quite impressed when we went to a, a charity update at, up at Morley, um, and that's Coburn, is it? I think Coburn Lodge. Lodge. Yeah. yeah, Coburn Lodge. And even though it's not actually a lodge location, the actual atmosphere is really, really good, which was Leeds Lodge, which met at the Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changing, but it's because I've been to that one a few times before. So it's that, but yeah, not not an not an extensive list, but um, hopefully when lockdown comes back, I can do a lot more visiting because, as you know, I had a kidney transplant, so I'm not limited by going to dialysis three times a week. So yeah. that'll help me get out a lot more. Yeah. However, awesome. all excellent choices. So let's raise a glass to Manny's lodges. Manny's lodges. Okay. Let's talk about about that a little more. If of course you're um, comfortable with, with with that, Manny, obviously. You, you are someone, obviously, as, as part of the club who we've thought about a lot, especially as you were going through your transplant phase. So how, how are you coming out now? How, how are you feeling now? And um, how's, it, how's the recovery going? Well, first of all, thanks, because I remember the first podcast uh, I listened to you guys were actually giving me a shout-out whilst I think I was just come out of a uh, hospital. So, yeah, it was, it was a very scary time because March 19th is when I had the transplant. And as we know, lockdown happened a few days after that. And I was in hospital just having had major transplant surgery. And the, the actual ward where I was was being turned into a COVID ward. Wow. So I was actually wasn't even on the female our male side. I was actually moved to the female side. So it wasn't an issue. Plus, you know, I couldn't really move and yeah. <laughs> walk much. So it was all right. So it was a scary time. But, and before, honestly, mentally, and it, it's probably good to mention it from a from mental perspective, it was such a hard decision to make in terms of uh, the impact the economy was in, in terms of what impact that would have on the business, uh, the risk. There was a risk, even though uh, minimal, to my life in terms of just not from surgery. You know, only 1%, but it's still a percentage. But post-surgery, if I got COVID, then having a suppressed immune system and just having transplant, then extremely high risk. So, mm. and even now, so it was, how do, how do you, how do you weigh that decision up in your mind? Yeah. Um, is, is, is quite a difficult one. But I can thankfully say since my surgery, I recovered extremely well. My kidneys taken to me quite well, even though it was a bit of a mismatch. But the 
donor's age was similar to mine, which is why I got selected. And it's been seven, I'll be seven months in two days since my uh, kidney transplant. And since then I've been training, working out, I'm 15 kilos lighter. Wow. So I've got, I've got, uh, so that's two and a half stone. I feel a that's whole awesome. lot of health. Yeah, a whole lot healthier, got more time, more energy. Uh, it's just a shame that I can't use that physically outdoors, just indoors. So, And, and I think this is why it's good to be on because it has been mentally tough in terms of, you know, having a, a lifestyle and then that changing and kind of getting your life back from a mm. transplant and a gift of organ donation. As an organ donor myself and anyone listening in, do do consider it the the life-changing impact you can have on someone's life not just one person's life but so many it, it is unbelievable um so i'm an advocate of opt out as opposed to opt in so yeah it's just been life-changing and um you know i've got through the tough you know periods the first three months and six months if you can get through the next year to march next year mm. then we're looking good long term but yeah everything's going really well thank you well, it's absolutely fantastic to hear that, Manny, sincerely. And you know what? Like, as I say, you are a well-thought-of uh, member of, of the Leeds Like Blues and, and obviously very close to our hearts. So I'd just like to to raise a glass to you, my brother, to your good health. Thank you, man. Thank you, Josh. That's why I only drink water as well. That's why I'm only drinking no, water. No, you know what? That's absolutely fair enough. That's, you know, hats off to you. The fact that you've... The fact that you've you, you've come so far in such a short time, and you you you, you literally you're doing everything you possibly can as well. You, you, you I mean, I've, I've seen it on Facebook. You know, you're training hard. Uh, you've got a solid commitment. You've got your other you've got other projects. Obviously, you know, with, with your podcast that you've got going on at the moment, it's good to see someone that's just doesn't take you know no and giving up for an answer. It's awesome, man. So yeah, all it's, all, it's... all power to you. Yeah, it's, it's, you can, you know, someone has been kind enough and made that, you know, ultimate sacrifice to donate their organ to me. I wouldn't be doing any justice to them if I wasted that opportunity and didn't maximise that, you know, lifeline I've got. So I'm internally grateful to my um, donor yeah. and their family. Awesome. Let's move to the main topic of this evening. It's going to be masonry and mental health or mental health and masonry and again guys this is a very subjective topic um i think one thing that's that is quite clear is that masonry is is it does something different for everybody we all click in different ways like any hobby or or, or any undertaking that you take you, each person gets something different from it and so we're going to talk about i guess the effect that it has on mental health so just do you want to do you want to do you want to lead on this what 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 your what are your feelings and, and impressions with this? Yeah, I know Manny's spoken a lot about his uh, mental health just mm. now coming out of a huge life-changing event. But mental health isn't always in response to big things. Mental health can just as easily be the little things, the daily stresses that weigh on you heavily. And that's certainly the way when... Uh, when I'm suffering with my mental health, when I go through bouts of depression, when I when I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, anxiety, I you know want to run, and I will happily hide under my duvet for seven days a week, thirty-one days a month, and not see anyone, not speak to anyone, not take care of myself. 
my sister refers to it as being a little shame gremlin, you know, just hiding in your little disgusting nest and it becomes a cycle of not taking care of yourself, leads you feeling shit, feeling shit leads you not being able to take care of yourself. So from a personal point of view, masonry is really helpful to me in respect of that because it's a thing, it's a regular thing that forces me to get out of the house and it's something I enjoy, it's never something I resent doing. So it's it, it breaks that cycle, it's, it's something that uh, help, forces me to get up, to take care of myself, to, to wash in the first time for seven days, to put on a suit and feel, you know, there's something about putting on, uh, you know, a tuck, something about putting on a suit, it makes you feel a little more in control a little a little special so there's you know there's definitely that part of it that going to something and being surrounded by people i know care for me and uh, people i like spending time with so as a method of breaking out of those cycles for me is absolutely fantastic and then of course you go into the the workings of masonry it's designed to to take care of you it's designed to lift you up it's designed to it's designed to improve yourself, but it's designed where everyone else is designed to is has a role in taking care of you too. I'm thinking the the role of almoner in lodges, uh, a really yeah. important role when it comes to making sure everyone is there, everyone's well, everyone's family's well. And the best way I heard this described was the almoner's role is to make men who aren't comfortable talking about themselves who aren't comfortable in talking about their mental health or even their physical health. It's a way that forces them to address that, but in a safe, secure manner. It's a structured process to follow, yeah. to to report to Almoner, to who you know is going to keep your your trials and tribulations private if you want them to be kept private. It, so it's, it's, just, it's a structured process that yeah. talk, you know, that specifically it's speaks like to our isn't it? Yeah, like but design. Network. Exactly, it's a support network, but in a way that is designed not to make you feel like you need a support network. Mm. The role of the almoner is there, particularly for an old guard who would never talk about that with other men. You know, you just you you were a man. You didn't have problems. You you didn't have feelings. There's no pain. You know, we were all stoic. We drank bitter, and we worked in a mine, and that was it. You weren't allowed to do anything else. And so the role of the almoner there was really important in an accessible way for for people who weren't in touch with that side of themselves to, to report back on, on potential problems. Do you feel yourself that masonry's kind of opened, allowed you to open up a lot more about, about, about your feelings and obviously about your mental health that you are able to talk to others? Or do you still feel that that's kind of more reserved to specific people in, in, in masonry and... and that's how it kind of helps you in that sense? I don't know. I've got different feelings on this at different times, and I'm sure lots of people can understand that, um, mm. you know, you're, you're allowed to have different feelings, and it's not a simple question. That, um, On one hand, I, I feel I've always been quite open. Yeah. On the other hand, there have definitely been times where I should have talked more openly about the things that were bothering me and didn't. And still to this day, it's helping me um, get over get over that. I think it was Tony Harvey who was talking about his lecture of managing expectations and realizing mm. that sometimes I set 
either unrealistic expectations or more often I don't I don't verbalize those I don't internalize the things in my internal headspace mm. no I don't externalize the things in my internal headspace so that was a big powerful point for me of realizing that and trying to and trying to vocalize that with uh, particularly my other half is usually the one who I'm you know we live together she's the one that on a day-to-day basis sees the the worst side of that when uh, I come home and she's not dressed and then I go why aren't you dressed we're supposed to be going in 20 minutes and I didn't tell her I you know I was going out and I, I need you to be dressed and I need to be ready to go in 20 minutes I didn't have those conversations about being clear so yeah there's huge learning curves there for me you know there were other bits and I know I've spoken before one of the things that always speaks to me is the address to wardens in the installation ceremony, which goes yeah. that which in others you deem praiseworthy in yourself seek to emulate and that which you see as defective in yourself seek to, I can't remember the words, I've lost yeah. the word here. But Basically, uh, if, if you yourself, like it, then copy it. And if you don't, then don't bother. Yeah, well, it's even better, you know, if you see something in someone else you don't like, look inwards are you repeating that same behavior consciously or subconsciously yeah you know take a look at yourself and uh you know yeah and you're right you know copy the things you like but in your the things you don't like i suppose equally important it's the 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 subconscious things we do Mm. you know you won't be aware of you won't no one goes around thinking they're a dick but you can quite often do dickish things and you know without noticing without realizing and that's certainly the way it is for me. And I know Matt has been on the receiving end of my dickishness. <laughs> Probably likewise, I'd say. But yeah, I mean, we all like to think the golden rule of masonry is don't be a dick. But yeah, I suppose everyone can be a dick every now and again. It's just, I guess, to rein it in. Especially, I mean, I know we are quite, in the grand scheme of things, Like we are still young and we are still learning to some extent. And I think that I'd like to think anyway for myself, I can iron out a lot of, some of the imperfections over time. It's not something that you, you can you can instantly do just by taking another degree or something like that. It's something that's it's a lifelong challenge, isn't it? Manny, how do you feel about masonry? Obviously, I guess both in, in the lodge, how does it resonate with you? And, and I guess since, since we've been away from it for so long, how, how has that affected you? I joined Freemasonry because I met Brother Terry Sismi whilst on dialysis. And he explained Freemasonry. I was very interested and um, followed, obviously, uh, the inquiries and had my initiation in 2017. And I decided dialysis in January 2017. And Freemasonry very quickly became my escape. It became my escape from having to go to dialysis three times a week and dealing with that reality. It was a space where I could have to forget about, you know, the pressures of the new business venture I started then. In that so that summer it was a place where no one looked at me as someone who was ill i don't know if that makes sense but my family friends looked to me as someone who was ill and when i went to freemasonry i never got that i was i was you know you treated as a brother and it, it gave me warmth it gave me a sense of belonging and um very quickly it became an important part of my life and i was really enjoying it up until um, obviously March uh, when we, well we didn't actually have our, our last uh, meet was actually in February where the fourth Monday of the month and straight away you felt like something was missing 
um, because at that point, myself and Josh, we were at the initiation of um, Simon Town. Um, and he, I mean, with some of the stuff we've done externally to try and stay in contact, it's been great. Stuff like the Elite Light, like the Light Blues, the podcasts, uh, the chats, the seminars, the lectures, it's, it's made it stay front of mind when you can't actually meet. And for me, it's been like a part missing where I still need that escape because right now, in, in all honesty, it's it's just the same four walls day in, day out. And obviously, people are like, well, get out, go anywhere. You can't when you've got an immune, a suppressed immune system and there's a deadly virus, you know, a highly contractable virus out there. You don't know if you have it yourself because the symptoms don't come out after a few days. And if I get it, I don't have an immune system to fight it. And you can see how bad people can get so that the mental impact that has on having to stay home is almost like being in solitary confinement. So it's been tough these last few months. Um, when things were quiet in work, whilst the economy was down, I was able to focus on fitness and that became my you know, focus. But as things get back to a bit of normality in terms of work, it's really, really busy. Waking up in the same room and sleeping in the same room, working 10 hours a day in that room, as you can see on the screen, I got my TV in the, in the bottom right where my Xbox on was, or just a stress relief. So have my lunch in this room. It's like, where's the escape? And you can get closed off. And mentally, just even some of the online stuff, it's just a, a much, much welcomed escape because there's only so much you can take. Um, and and it, it's hard and it plays an important role because... I don't have that same level of face-to-face contact that I want with the people that I can express what's inside. And I do encourage that to, you know, it's not about gender. It's not about manning up. It's not about being a man. Sometimes you need to find someone that you can speak to, someone who understands um, and um, can listen because it's the most important thing. I mean, I remember being in hospital and having to go on dialysis. New Year's Day was my when I was in hospital, January 2017, with kidney failure and pneumonia. Two weeks later, I was on, I had to start dialysis. And I remember just being on a machine, and I'm happy to share this, is, you know, there's tears coming out of my eyes because I'm thinking, is this my life now? And the mental impact it had, I could have gone down a downward spiral, but without the support network and without throughout the year having things to look forward to like lodge uh, initiation and building relationships like with yourselves fellow brethren like yourselves matt and josh has has been to an extent a lifesaver mentally in terms of saving my mental you know uh, mind and keeping it all intact and having a place to go and just put the pressures of the world away take them off my shoulders and just be for the money sink You'll know that you're always welcome, and uh, both yourself, Manny and Josh, you know, I'm, it goes without saying, I'm always at the other end of the phone or on the Discord channel, and obviously you guys, I know, are pretty well engaged with the Dungeons and Dragons that we have. Um, I think masonry teaches so many different things, and you don't realise, I, I had this chat today with someone at my gym, it really is true that you just don't appreciate something until it's gone, and it's all right saying that until you actually felt it and experienced it, you just don't know it. And I guess just the, the smaller, simple things of, of, of going and seeing everyone and, and, and feeling like you were part of something. Like you say, you know, man, just having that escape. I mean, for me, you know, just being able to leave work and, and after a, a shit day and, and, and go to lodge and meet and talk with 
you, you, you both peers, and I know we're all brothers and everything, but let's face it, far more experienced men who have a year's honours, who have been through all this before, you tell them about your problems and they, and they just smile at you and then you wonder what they're smiling about on this here because it's happened, it's happened to, it happens to everyone. It's just a part of life and that makes you feel better. Um, it's those little things and it's, I guess for, for me, it's the conversations that, that I've missed with, I guess, more your, 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 certainly your wiser Masons and just to kind of make me feel that actually I am on, a, on, a, on, a, on, on the right path. I think mentally... It's something which I, I really enjoy. It's, it's, it's an escapism as well as a hobby for me. I found that in Lodge, I'm pretty sure that every single brother listens to this will agree with me, is that when certainly when you're a, a, an apprentice, the, the first virtue I think that you learn of any human, I'll call it a human virtue because it's not actually a Masonic virtue, this, is patience. And you learn patience. It's, it's knowing to dismiss your uh, impatience of, of the outside world and learn patience again. It's, it's bringing you back to basics. I find a lot of masonry brings you back to basics the way that it is, it is. not necessarily intended to be, but the way that it actually is. It, in, in particular, it's the going outside of the lodge if you're not entitled to see what's going on inside at that point in your Masonic career. It's the getting the drinks orders in. Granted, God knows, especially my brothers in my lodge, I don't, I don't particularly miss getting the drinks orders in <laughs> um, because a lot of the time when I finish work and I, and I, go, and I go to lodge, my, my, my head's a mess and you wouldn't think that I actually need to use maths. <laughs> but um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's those little things, it's those little elements and knowing that actually, you know what, it's knowing that you're, you're there for other people as well. It, there's a lot to be said for giving people people your time and just having a, having a chat with someone and I guess... Luckily, it's not something that before many of us have had to go through, but I think certainly during lockdown, loneliness has been probably something that's been on the rise. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I guess, you know, like, like you said, Manny, a lot of us now are having to come to terms with the fact that our lives at this moment in time for the foreseeable are being pretty much led out of a single room in our house. If we have a bad day at work, we can't just walk out of the office and go home anymore. You know, we, we have to try and... We have to try and deal with it in the house and, and, and not let it affect us and, and process it. And I think escapes, like, like, you know, um, are more important than ever right now in that sense. And I think, you know, like you say, we've had the, we've had the podcast of the lectures and, and all this sort of stuff. We've got D&D &D and everything else. But yeah, it's, God, it's so important at the minute. So it's, um, you, again, you don't realise just how much you depend on something until it gets taken away. Yeah, like with me, I was always looking forward to getting a transplant and being able to commit because I used to always have to switch my treatment from an evening to a morning and used to work on there. And then that was it. I'd go home, relax, get suited and booted um, and be in charge of the festive board as well and look forward to that. Go back to whoever was uh, the restaurant and, you know, get something more desirable on there <laughs> if, I, if it didn't sit well with me. It's just the little <laughs> things that go in and setting up the festive board through table. And at that moment, you could forget about everything else. You could forget about family problems. You could forget about work problems uh, and, and personal problems. It was a time where you could just enjoy um, either the upcoming. I mean, for me, it was then trying to remember ritual. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> trying to remember the ritual that I, I got to deliver and, 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 and learning and educating and it, it, you know you don't realise how much 
you miss it. And it seems like something that I could desperately do and, and need with, but again, only when it's safe and secure yeah, to do course. so. Definitely. I mean, I, I've, I've got to ask, I've got to ask a question because I'm curious because I know that the, the answer to both mine and Josh's uh, has been no. Have you had any chance to learn any ritual during lockdown? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly the same as us. Like we've had all this time, literally, even when I was like furloughed and like off work, I had all this time to, to try and learn some ritual and I didn't take it. <laughs> I could have learned the whole ritual book by now. Literally. <laughs> I, I could have like um, got the um, opening hymn memorized by now. Oh, to be a pilgrim. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got that bit. I've got that bit nailed down. Uh, <laughs> Me too. But, I just won um, the rest. I, I, with, with it, when it comes to it, I can't really practice it and practice it and then rely on it. It's like I, I have to literally do it a night or two nights before and then I can just do it on my heart the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's a, I, I was trying to psychoanalyze this a little bit of why, of why I didn't choose to do this. And I feel as though it's almost like, like you say, like you can do it like a, maybe a day or two before. It's almost like you accept yourself to give yourself a challenge, like a last minute challenge, like the pressure's on. It's like at the moment, there's like no pressure at all in the world about masonry and it feels as though you could just be doing it but then doing something else it probably depends how your mind works i remember the last time we did it, i did the charge after passing uh, if you ask me to recite the charge after passing i would probably remember parts of it but not all of yeah. it but at the time i practiced it i practiced it the night before and that morning and i delivered it flawlessly on the awesome. night not to brag or anything but um i remember the um our worshipful master saying, you know, giving me a special toast, saying, you know, well, well, you know, very well done. Mm-hmm. And me cheaply going to the senior one, and I was like, yeah, only eleven last night. That's a really interesting point, mm-hmm. though, about masonry. It builds you up that way. Yes. You know, when you take time, or don't take time, but when you deliver a piece of ritual, well, you're always made to feel special you're made to feel like you've done a good job there's a real sense of reward there and that can i know certainly my day-to-day life that can often be sorely missing that how often do you get a real clap on the back and how often do you get told that actually you've done a really good job there everyone in the world myself included really quick to jump on the negative things all the things people do wrong how often do we take a minute to be kind how often do we take a minute just to to say well done congratulations thank you for the things that day to day go well the people that go above and beyond that also has a slight psychological impact on you as well in terms of your mental wellness yeah because i I can say it when when you're on business there's no one to give me a pat on the back i've got to give my employees a pat on the back but yeah you're right when you're part of masonry and you're showing your progression and, and that brotherhood mentally in terms of that support to focus on the positives it's a valuable asset definitely like you say it's, it is that building you up and it's the making you feel like you've, you've played your part in, in something that's sort of like bigger and i must admit i do one thing i do miss is actually singing the master's song of our lodge that is something i miss quite a lot and again um for those of you who haven't heard it before i'm sure you'll probably find it on some youtube somewhere yeah. or another You've got an audience um, here. If you said you miss it, no, you've got an audience. I, 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 miss, I, miss, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. I can't. I, I'm not always. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not cheap, Josh. That's the thing. I'm not cheap. That's <laughs> not why I heard. I'm, I'm expensive. <laughs> I'm only messing. I'm not at all. Um, <laughs> but it's um, 
for me, it's it's nice to have that confidence to be able to do something like that in front of other people. And everyone's different. I was used to doing performing arts and a little bit of acting, a little bit of singing, that, that sort of thing. But for me, it's something that I don't really do anymore. Um, so masonry, in a way, keeps that little bit alive for me a little bit. So that's nice. And, I, and again, like anything that you enjoy, you do that and it, it, it makes me feel good. It does. So yeah, I do, I do miss that. I think it's all about um, a lot of it. A lot of the time, it's about perspective as well. You realise just how fortunate you are and how empowered you are as a mason to be able to do good things for other people. I think as, while we've been in lockdown, you remember we, we had the, we had the barbecue. Uh, some people brought some, you know, canned and dried food, and enough to just to fill a little crate. We, we went, you know, we went down to St George's Crypt and we gave them we gave them that crate. And it was just nice. It was nice to do. It was nice to feel that during lockdown, we actually provided something for people who need and, and they, they needed it. You know, they were saying anything you've got, just bring it down. Doesn't matter how big, how small, you know, we'll, we'll graciously accept it you know, with open arms. So that was, it was nice to do. And that is something I'm looking forward to, to, to doing more as, as a Mason is to actually feel like I'm being involved in doing good, providing things and time for people that need it, not just giving money also giving my time to go and do something good yeah very much so the last thing i did was just before lockdown actually it was going and we've talked about it before was planting trees planting trees yeah and you're right actually just just going and spending a day i mean out in the open out in the air was an absolutely fantastic feeling you know particularly now looking back on it in light of spending what we're now basically seven months inside yeah so yeah, going back and looking on it, it was a fantastic feeling amplified by the idea we've been inside since then. And very much so looking forward to going back out and figuring out what else we can do. Mm. So moving it back a little bit then. So kind of we were talking about ritual. That moves us on to our next topic, which is um, what is ritual and why do we do it? A lot of people might be listening to this podcast who might not be Masons and might be wondering, what is this ritual about? Is this like some sort of like... Is this some sort of cult thing? Is this where you like sacrifice the goat and you all have to like get undressed and do weird, weird shit? No, yep. it, it, yeah, it's, it's exactly a, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, we like to keep the myths alive to kind of uh, for speculation and humor, don't we? But, but really what, what, what is, what is ritual? And I guess you could ask, you could ask this um, twofold. You could either ask it objectively, what is it? Or you could be philosophical about it. So let's try and be as objective as we can. But again, it's difficult because uh, ritual is different uh, for every person, I think. And you join people join masonry for different reasons. It's obviously there's a, there's a lot of camaraderie there. People uh, like to join for the camaraderie more more that side of it rather than the ritual side of it. The ritual side of it, I think, for me, it's all about building a better you. It's about kind of building the best version of you, and it's all about morality plays, and it kind of touches on different events throughout history how that's applicable to us as people uh, to put yourself in, in someone else's shoes and situation. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm not describing it well enough, Josh. No, but you did hit on a really good point in that it is, it's a play. You, you refer to it as a morality play, but ritual really are small little playlets, which are anywhere between a couple of paragraphs and, you know, half dozen pages but they take you through a journey, they take you through a story with some sort of moral lesson, feel-good ending. It makes you readdress the common lessons that, you know, we all we all know. Giving to charity is a good thing. We all know this, yeah? 
doesn't come as a surprise to anyone, but in the initiation ceremony, that is the key theme. And you are taken through a story of someone in need of charity. It just makes you readdress that from a from another point of view, yes, charity is a good thing. I should do more for charity. What's the point in the second degree? Is there a point of the second degree? I would like to think so. I often feel that the second degree has been like it's like you, you do you do it and then it's kind of like it's almost like the short ver- the short story. And it's kind of like it feels as though there's a lot more to it and you've just kind of been rushed through it a little bit. So, but I know that there is obviously, there are those out there that give reasons to that as it being, there was another degree, there was the mark degree, obviously, which as far as I understand it, I'm not in the mark at the moment, but my understanding is that the mark was once as a part of or more entwined with the second degree than what we're, what we're used to now. Who knows, perhaps one day we'll find out the secret of mark and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know what the true meaning of the second degree is. I don't know. <laughs> Like to me, the second degree is now it's all flooding back as <laughs> we're talking about it. Nice, isn't um, it? <laughs> it's nice. Um, and doing a charge of twice, it's more about your conduct and behavior as a mason. Um, I think, yeah, Josh is right. First degree is important to it's about charity and why you want to become a mason and making you better. And the first element of that is charity and coming in without anything to give. Um, and being at a living playing field, and then I think the second degree from what the charge after passing is, is telling them about their conduct in much, telling them about not having any, you know, grievances with another brother and actually paying attention to that ritual within Lodge attentively and being upstanding. I think, yeah, the second degree for me is all about the behavioural aspect of a, a brother. And then that, obviously when you get to the third, then that's completing the story and you and your development, individual development. Um, as, as, as a mason and then as an individual. You are right, you have reminded me of square conduct and upright actions, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, the the way you conduct yourself going forwards is the, the focus of there. Thank you, Manny. Uh, Every uh, day is a learning day. It is, and it's nice to be reminded of things like that. And something that I have on my desk, I think I might have mentioned this before, but that reminds me every day about a one degree in particular is this little bad boy, which I got from Mexico. And that is the uh that is the school and it is there to remind me um that life is short and you've got to do what you can in the time that you've got um and make the make the best of it one day we all will get reduced to the same level and it's what you leave behind the good things that you leave behind that matters so that's what i keep on my desk to remind me of that piece of ritual so ritual why we do it yeah i guess it, it's just more or less it reminds us, it, again, it reteaches us things that are very, just very basic human principles that sometimes I think, I think it's fair to say, gents, that modern life generally makes you kind of waver sometimes and, and forget. Absolutely right. True. That's pretty much it. No secret. If anyone ever says that there's a goat involved, then they're probably not talking about what's going to be going on, but rather what they're going to be taking you to afterwards. <laughs> it's certainly not Masonic. And, and, and I guess ritual, it's, there's every degree in masonry has its own ritual, um, every side order. So I, I talked about earlier, I've got a Holy Royal Arch pin. So that's another order in Freemasonry uh, that you can join after you become a Master Mason. That has its own ritual as well that's special to that particular degree. And it's almost like you kind of, it's almost like, for me personally, I feel as though it's like you're learning secrets to an extent. It's like you're learning like the, the secrets of life almost but the, the the truth is i'm pretty sure you could go through every single degree 
And the only secret is that you knew them all already. Um, you just have to be reminded of them, I think. That's probably it. And maybe I need to meet a mason that's literally done every single degree there is to do. Almost to come full circle, we started this with the lesson of all Freemasonry is don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's certainly, I think, golden rule of, of Freemasonry, golden rule of life, just don't be a dick. <laughs> I think we're pretty much almost ready to, to wrap this episode up. But just before we do, Manny, will you tell us a little bit more about your podcast, what it's about and where we can catch it? Yeah, sure. So my podcast is called Bobble Pod. It's um, an extension of Bobble Digital, which is our agency name. Bobble Pod is bringing together four industry experts, me being one of them, three of the CEOs of digital agencies. And, and similar to your style, we just have a conversation about particular topics. We launched ours at Leeds Digital Festival, where we actually streamed it live on YouTube um, and did a audio recording at the same time um, which was really good because we got audience participation and that talked about um, brand social responsibility um, and looking at how has that changed over you know the last six months uh, our next podcast which will um, get launched early november when we record it at the end of this month is about the rise and rise of social media so again we'll just be talking about different topics uh, around marketing and it's all about education and giving our viewpoints about specific topics and what's happening within the industry and providing some clarity to people who's like well I'm not sure what social is I'm not sure about you know how to go around brand social responsibility it's all good giving examples of big brands and what they do but you got to realize a lot of businesses at SME level are the ones that need the advice and support at that level so yeah it's available across all major channels Spotify Apple Google um, there's a podcast as well if you want to watch the video um, and get involved, which is on our YouTube channel, Bobble Digital. And there's a dedicated website as well, www.bobblepod.co.uk, where everything will be uploaded and available. I listened to the first episode, obviously the only one that's released yet. Really enjoyed it. It reminded me of something we spoke about recently, which was uh, the move towards the character ethic in society. And people are, as a result of COVID and as a result of lockdown, realising or re-realising the important thing of being good to each other, particularly, you know, some of the stuff you spoke about on that episode really reminded me of some of the conversations the Leeds Light Blues have had recently, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you for that. Oh, no, thank you. And thanks for allowing me to mention it, Matt. No, no problem. So guys, if you want to go ahead over, check out a, di a different kind of podcast, but one that's equally very interesting, very informative, go and check out Bobble Pod, new podcast. You can catch it on all major podcasting platforms. So that brings us uh, to the end of this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Brother Manny, thank you again for coming along. Thank you for inviting me. No, you're, you, you're welcome back here anytime, mate. I have been your host, Brother Matt Namiria. I am still Brother Josh Doxy Turnbull. And I am still Brother Mancrete Singh. Good night, brethren. <laughs>